Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is November the 24th, 2017, the day after Turkey Day. And boy, with all the discussions we've had about politicians and Washington and the madness in our country, there is certainly no shortage of turkeys. And um, I hope you all enjoyed your turkey yesterday. And God knows probably the uh, leftovers today and tomorrow and <laughs> for the foreseeable future. Thank you for joining me. Uh, those of you familiar with me know that I'm a retired senior special agent with what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service, the agency that was disbanded, sliced, diced, and reconstituted into ICE, CBP, Customs and Border Protection, Citizenship and Immigration Services, and became a disaster. <clears throat> and as I've written in so many articles, a disaster by design. Both political parties, both political parties have a vested interest in making certain that the immigration system delivers on what it is supposed to deliver, and it is not what is in the best interests of America or Americans. Tragically, frustratingly, infuriatingly, um, it's about flooding America with an endless supply of cheap, exploitable labor, foreign tourists, and foreign students. And the impact on America and Americans has been devastating. The 9-11 Commission, to which I provided testimony, made it clear that the only reason, the only reason that the terrorists were able to carry out the attacks in the United States, and not just the 9-11 attacks, they looked at 94 terrorists, including the 9-11 hijackers in the decade leading up to 9-11, and found that essentially these were all failures of multiple aspects, multiple elements of what it should have been an effective immigration system. So when the politicians tell you the system is broken, run for your life. The system is not broken. It is that it's dysfunctional, but it's dysfunctional because that is what they want. You know, 45 years ago, we sent men to the moon repeatedly with technology that was primitive beyond words. You know, when you think about um, in the last five years, one iPhone after another, one laptop computer, cameras, go down the list of technology uh, and think of all the advances in the last five or 10 years. Now think back 45 years. Primitive technology, but in nine years after President Kennedy said we were going to go to the moon, we did it. Do you really believe that the United States of America of America is unable to secure its borders, enforce its immigration laws. If you believe we are that inept, um, well, then God help all of us, because then we've truly become a third world country. But this is by design. This is why you have millions of unemployed Americans. This is why you're seeing drugs pouring across our border in record quantities. This is why the wages of Americans have fallen through the floorboards and we are rapidly becoming a country of haves and have-nots, a tale of two cities indeed by design. And I can prove it. But before I prove it, 
I uh, just want to fill you in on a couple of odds and ends, a little housekeeping, if you will. And then I want to get into the uh, meat of my conversation that I want to have with you today. And that conversation focuses uh, on sanctuary cities, sanctuary states, the Orwellian nature of all of this. Uh, the websites I want you to check out. Very simple. I have been doing a lot of writing for Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com, sponsored by the David Horowitz Freedom Center. Very proud to be a columnist working with them. And I write for Front Page Magazine, Front Page Mag. Uh, I'm sorry, I write for the social contract. Too much turkey, too much tryptophan. You can see it's having its effect on me already. Uh, and I write for the social contract. It's a quarterly journal. I've been very pleased to be working with them for well over a decade. My most recent article that appears in their fall 2017 edition is The Road to Tyranny is Paved by Language Censorship. This isn't political correct. That's wrong. And I know Donald Trump says it all the time. The president says it. And if I was sitting in the Oval Office with him or anywhere else right now, I would have to respectfully say, Mr. President, you're wrong. Now, he might not like that, but I believe he is wrong. This is not political correctness. This is Orwellian. You achieve thought control through the control of words and language, which is why propaganda is so significant during a war, which is why when there is an uprising, the rebels always, 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 after they secure the airport so troops can't come in behind them, <clears throat> secure television and radio broadcasting centers, and then they secure the print media, control the flow of information and control the use of language. When Jimmy Carter 40 years ago said, we will no longer call illegal aliens illegal aliens, but undocumented immigrants. It was brilliant, but devastating for America. Because what this has led to, folks, is this idea that any foreign national present in the United States has to be referred to as an immigrant. It's control of language, control of thoughts. The term alien, I know I've said it before, but I really want to talk a little bit about language because it plays right into this issue of so-called sanctuary cities. So the term alien is a legal term. It simply means any person, not a citizen or national of the United States. There's no insult there. It's not a pejorative. It doesn't say these folks smell bad, they're stupid, or they're immoral. It simply says you're not a citizen. So if we go to Canada, or we go to England, or France, or Germany, or Jamaica, or China, and we walk in and say, hi, they say, great, who are you, where are you from? And we say, we're Americans, and that makes us an alien in those countries. It doesn't mean that we've come in a flying saucer, we didn't come in peace for all mankind, you know. Forget it. It's simply is a legal term recognized throughout the world as simply meaning a foreign national present in a country and a citizen uh, in a country which he's not a citizen or she's not a citizen. So where's the insult? If I walk into my neighbor's house and he says, you're not a member of my family, is that an insult or, or a statement of fact? You see, but the reason that the word immigrant was wedged into this conversation, jammed down our throats as it were, was so that now if you dare suggest that we deny entry to any foreign national, you are labeled anti-immigrant. The mainstream media does it. People who want anarchy are defined as pro-immigrant. And those who want secure borders to make certain that criminals and terrorists and aliens with dangerous diseases 
uh, aliens who have criminal histories or fugitives from justice or spies or terrorists or war criminals. If we say you can't come in, oh, my God, you're anti-immigrant. No, that is pro-enforcement. Now, my background, I have a degree in communications, did a lot of debating back in high school and college. I was going to teach debate had I not become a federal agent. And I can tell you, anybody who wears the label anti-anything has a mountain to climb to overcome the deficit that that label of A-N-T-I creates, anti. That's why if you look at the the abortion debate, pro-choice, pro-life. Nobody wants to be anti. If you label someone anti-abortion, they lose big points. This is a strategic decision made by people who are very bright, very sharp, very shrewd, very dangerous, very cunning. Never underestimate your opponents. Rule one of combat, never underestimate your opponents. The folks who want secure borders have been flat-footed. I'm going to be blunt with you about this. They're looking for a magic bullet. Fence on the border. We're okay, right? We can move on to going to the ball game. We can watch Dancing with the Stars because we're going to put a fence on the border. Baloney. The immigration system has lots of moving parts. Everyone wants to get over with it quickly. You know, forget about brewing coffee. We're going to have instant coffee. Just give me 10 words and we can move on and say we fixed it. As long as we take that approach, we're in deep trouble. Sometimes complex problems do need some complex solutions. Not insurmountable, but we have to walk and talk and chew gum all at the same time. So when I've spoken in in locations around the country, and if any of you know of opportunities for speaking engagements, let me know. I'd love to come out. You can reach me through my website, michaelcutler.net. But if you you, you take a look at at where we are with all this, people say to me, well, We have to just secure the border. Everything is fine. Well, how many border states do we have? And, you know, to this day, how many people scratch their head and start counting on their fingers? And they say, well, we have New Mexico. We have California. Folks, we have 50 border states. Almost all of the hijackers from 9-11, I believe actually all of 9-11 hijackers, entered the United States through international airports. They didn't run the Mexican border. Now, does that mean we don't have to think about the Mexican border and, and, and control it? No, absolutely not. But this is this nonsense of the false argument. You know, I'll give you examples of false arguments. If we build a 10-foot wall, they'll come up with 12-foot ladders. And if we have a 12-foot wall, they'll show up with 15-foot ladders. The wall may not entirely stop people from coming over onto our side. But what it's designed to do is to create an obstacle to them, to slow them down to give the Border Patrol the opportunity to capture them before they can disappear into the night. But you see, these are the fake arguments. They're going to get a taller ladder than the wall. That's it. They're going to tunnel under the wall, so we don't need a wall. Well, if, if we apply that reasoning, then we really shouldn't get out of bed in the morning because every day there are obstacles that will thwart our best efforts, right? I'm determined I'm going to be on time for work today, and I get in the car, and I have a flat tire. Do you go back to bed? Do you change the tire? Do you call car service? Do you hitch a ride with your neighbor? I mean, come on, folks. So we hear this nonsense. We can't deport them all. Oh, that's it. Let's go back to bed. We can't deport them all. There is no other set of laws where we hear this kind of garbage. Have you ever heard people say, well, so many people swindle the IRS. Maybe it's only for a little bit, but 
It goes on all the time, so let's not bother with tax cheats, okay? People are going to drive and drink anyway. Can't do anything about it. Let's just forget about drunk driving. Uh, Let's go down the list. Is that the way we deal with violations of law? And the answer, of course, is no, we don't. What you do is you mount the most effective effort possible, marshalling what limited resources you have to do the best job you can to catch people who violate the law to punish them, and just as importantly, to deter other nitwits that are thinking about violating laws, whether it's drunk driving, whether it's tax law, whether it's bank robbery, whatever the crime is. You capture them, you punish them, and you send a message. If you violate the law, we're going to do everything we can to locate you, and if we find you, you're in for a world of hurt. Common sense, but not immigration. Build a wall, they'll get a tall ladder. More people here than we can deport, let's not deport anybody. I mean, really, we're a nation of immigrants. Oh, my gosh. And that goes back to the use of language. This is a defeatist mindset from square one. Yes, folks, we know you're upset that we're letting gang members in and they're killing children, MS-13, vicious, violent gang. They're, 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 they've killed at least 20 children in, uh, on Long Island where I began investigating them 25 years ago. They're recruiting kids as young as eight years of age in school. Okay, but yet if you say let's enforce the immigration law, oh, you're anti-Latino, baloney. The immigration laws don't make those distinctions. And by the way, just about or mostly the people killed by MS-13, the children, are members of the Latino ethnic community. So if you're trying to stop the murder of Latino children, that makes you anti-Latino. Does anybody have the capability of thinking rationally or reasonably or giving thought to what they're being told or what they're thinking or how they're responding to the lies, how they they respond to the lies? I mean, think about the madness that you're listening to and how people kind of say, yeah, well, they're right. And, you know, when I when I've been in front of audience, they'll, they'll say it to me. Well, Mr. Cutler, we really can't deport 11 million. So what do you do with the ones you don't catch? Well, what do the police do with the drunk drivers they don't catch? You catch as many as you can, you punish them severely, you publicize the efforts, and you hope it discourages people from drinking and driving. I mean, that's the best you can do. We're humans. We are flawed. Our laws don't get inherently enforced. The laws of nature are immutable. The speed of light is not established by somebody with a badge, a radar gun, and a summons book. Those laws don't have to be enforced. Nature's laws are self-enforcing. Our legislated laws are not. So you do the best job you can to enforce the law, advertise your efforts, and make it clear that if we catch you, you'll be sorry. Right? Just like you, your mother might have said to you. You know, if you don't do your homework, you'll be sorry. And, and, and that's the idea. No one says, oh, well, kids are going to flunk tests anyway, so why bother studying? You may flunk no matter what you do. Could you ever tell that to your child? Then why are the politicians that we elected to first and foremost uphold the Constitution and then look out for our interests because that's really what the Constitution talks for. Keep the, sa- the states safe from invasion, for example. Why are they then turning around and saying, well, nothing we can do about it. Too bad. Tough luck. They're going to come in with a taller ladder. They, 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 you can't deport them all. They're going to work anyway. Do you understand the game that is being played on all of us? And all too many Americans are just content to crack open another beer 
and sit down in front of the boob tube, as we used to call the television. Now it's no longer a cathode ray tube. It's a flat screen display and watch Dancing with the Stars or some other inane program. God forbid a football game, perhaps. So understand what's happening. We're told that immigrants need protection from immigration officials. That's why we have sanctuary cities. Immigrants need protecting because if we don't protect them, the evil immigration agents will sneak up to them in the dead of night and pull them out of their warm beds with their children and drag them away. Hillary Clinton actually talked about people wanting to put illegal aliens, of course, she didn't call them that, the undocumented, in boxcars, in boxcars. Now, I have to tell you, that was like a triple whammy for me. I'm Jewish. My family was decimated in the Holocaust. I was named for my grandmother who was slaughtered in Poland because of our religion. Now, what was she conjuring up by saying that there are people that want to put the immigrants in boxcars? If Hillary wasn't conjuring up the Holocaust, then you tell me that I'm getting it wrong. Send me an email, michaelcutler.net. Go ahead. Tell me I'm wrong. That's what that vile politician was attempting to do. And she's not alone. I've been in debates where a local mayor said, oh, those jackbooted immigration. I don't even have a pair of jackboots. And I was in agents for, for 30 years. The jackbooted immigration at three in the morning. You cannot execute a federal search warrant after, before 6 a.m. unless it is specifically a night time warrant or you as an agent are committing a crime for which you can be criminally punished. And in my entire career of 30 years, if my memory serves me correctly, I had, I was able to get two, two for my whole 30 year career, nighttime warrants because people were being held captive in an apartment and there was, their lives were on the line. So we got nighttime warrants. They don't just hand them out and say, Sure, knock on the door at 3 a.m. Go have some fun. Go trick-or-treating. Baloney. But those are the words. Jackbooted. Pulling the kids out of the beds with their parents. These poor immigrants. Let me tell you what. Actual immigrants. Lawfully admitted permanent resident aliens. Immigrants not only don't need protecting from immigration officials, it's immigration officials that give them that status and issue them that green card. So who are we protecting them from? But this is because of this Orwellian game of we're going to call every illegal alien, including gang members and terrorists and all these, they're immigrants. And immigrants are being rounded up by ICE agents. No, illegal aliens are, or if an alien has a green card and commits felonies and is convicted for those felonies, yes, then we can strip them of the green card and deport them. But when we hear this nonsense, oh my God, we're, we're doing the right thing. We're heroes, you know. They want everyone to think this is the Underground Railroad from the days of slavery. We're shielding the immigrants from those evil immigration folks. It should anger you because they're lying. They're playing us all for suckers. They cost Americans their lives and their livelihoods. And as an immigrant, former immigration agent, as an American, and as a member of the Jewish faith, 
drawing that parallel between the work of immigration agents and the Gestapo, the SS, enrages me in ways you cannot, you cannot begin to imagine. Our laws are fairer than the laws of any other country, particularly where immigration is concerned. (coughs) Pardon me. So this is not about attacking immigrants. This isn't about xenophobia. If you go to Title Eight, United States Code, Section 1182, it enumerates the categories of aliens who are to be prevented from entering the United States. And I've written about it. But let me enumerate it again, just so you understand. First thing you need to know, our immigration laws make absolutely no distinction, zero distinction about the person's race, religion, or ethnicity, period, okay? It's about keeping out aliens with dangerous communicable diseases. Ellis Island was a quarantine station. Aliens who are criminals, you know, murderers, rapists, arsonists, mobsters, you know, bank robbers, muggers. uh, And by the way, aliens who would drink and drive because how many people are being killed by drunk drivers? So, those are grounds for being deported if you're here illegally or grounds for being kept out of the country if you're seeking entry. It also includes includes spies, terrorists, war criminals, human rights violators, and fugitives from justice. And then we get to aliens who would likely become a public charge, meaning they don't have the wherewithal to support them. We certainly can't support the world. There are more than 7 billion people living on the planet We can't open the doors and say, come one, come all. We'll take care of all of you. We are broke. We are broke. And then we also get to aliens who, if they worked, would displace American workers. And so we're now being told, and and this really makes me crazy because full disclosure, I'm registered as a Democrat. I can't tell you the last time I voted for a Democrat. I think the wheels came off their wagon a long time ago, but so too did the Republicans wheels on their wagons. It's really hard to figure out who's the lesser of two evils in many of the elections that we have to vote. Very difficult, daunting task. Instead of the cream of the crop, uh, well, you figure out what we're often getting for politicians. But this idea that the Democrats primarily are opposed to mandatory E-Verify, let me show you how the wheels came off their wagon. And people say, well, Mike, why are you a Democrat? My dad and my mom, both my biggest heroes. Uh, My father was a construction worker, a tradesman. And boy, oh boy, don't tell me about blue-collar workers and the work Americans won't do. To my father, the word impossible was a challenge. It was an insult. You never wanted to tell my father something was impossible. There were no mission impossibles in my father's world or in the world of his buddies in the construction trades. At worst, it was mission difficult. Impossible didn't exist because... If you use the word impossible, he would accuse you of surrendering and having a defeatist attitude. But he was part of the greatest generation, not the nitwits that run this country today. Nitwits. Uh, So the idea was you went out and you did your job. Now, the Democratic Party used to be the party of working Americans. And the Republican Party, as is today, or, you know, had been, the party of business owners. Now, there's definitely two sides to that equation. (coughs) Pardon me, I have a bit of a cold or something going on. 
So the idea was there was balance. The Republicans were looking out for business owners. They certainly have legitimate concerns and desires and so forth. And the workers, and, and there's balance. It's, you know, labor management. This is the, the age-old back and forth, both sides looking to get what's best for them, and, and very often that puts them into conflict. But when you had one party looking out for one side of the scale and the other party looking out for the folks on the other side, we had balance. We had balance and we had prosperity. But when you get greedy and you say, well, we want to drive down wages, the best way to do it is to flood the labor market with cheap labor. Alan Greenspan was very clear about it. He testified for Chuck Schumer April 30th, 2009, before the Senate Immigration Subcommittee. He referred to high-tech foreign, he referred to American high-tech workers as the privileged elite. These are middle-class workers saying that they were earning a wage premium because they were being shielded from foreign competition. And if we stopped shielding them and brought in more H-1B visas, we could get rid of that wage premium and greatly reduce wage inequality between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. This was a calculated effort to drive down the wages and destroy the middle class. Democracy thrives when there's a middle class. If you read Orwell, Orwell made it clear that the socioeconomic group that posed the greatest challenge to the government in his fictional novel in 1984, the greatest threat was posed by the middle class. Why? Because they had the education and the, and the mindset to understand what was going on, but they lacked money. So when people understand they're being screwed, they're liable to do things to get their hands on some of the money. The people living at the bottom rung of the economic ladder were happy to scrape a meal together so they didn't go hungry at night. They were too busy, you know, like the gerbils running on the little Ferris wheel in the cage. But the middle class workers had the training, the intellect, and the time to think about it and say, wait a minute, we're being screwed. So the biggest threat to the ruling class, the middle class. Well, isn't it interesting that since the policies that we've been experiencing over the last couple of decades, both parties, folks, the globalists, has been driving down middle-class wages. And along with it, we've been losing tax base. And along with it, we brought in more foreign workers who keep sending ever more money out of the U.S. economy. We're losing a couple of hundred billion dollars a year. That more than accounts for the annual growth of the U.S. national debt when you take the multiplier effect into account. This isn't accidental. It's the way the economy was looted when the banks so-called collapsed in 2008. Think about it. So this is the engineered destruction of the middle class by the same party that used to be the party of working Americans, used to stand for blue-collar Americans and school teachers and postal workers and so forth. Well, they've now come to knife the average American in the back. They don't care. When you look at those kids in St. Louis and Baltimore and all these other cities, American black kids, American Latino kids, demonstrating, rioting, what you're looking at are kids with no futures. They are scared to death. They're living in poverty. They're living in the middle of nowhere where they don't have many opportunities, if any opportunities, to climb out of that big hole that they find themselves in. I've been in the buildings in some pretty god-awful neighborhoods here in New York City. They were like war zones. Bullets whizzing by the windows at night, drug sales, prostitution, everything going on on the street below their windows 24-7. 
And when kids grow up in that kind of an environment where it's freezing cold in the wintertime, no air conditioning in the summertime, no opportunities for an honest job to get that first job so you can start to build the resume, you know, the conundrum. You can't get a resume without a job. You can't get a job without a resume. So guess what happens? The kid that needs a couple of bucks because he wants to take this cute girl out for, for a hamburger and a movie, maybe he sells some pot or maybe he does something else that's illegal. That now creates between him and law enforcement a wedge. When he sees a police officer, he doesn't see a friend. I grew up in an environment where I saw a cop, I saw a friend, I saw somebody who would help me. We grew up that way. Now, Black Lives Matter comes out. They're reinforcing the message. The cops are the enemy. Kid maybe has had some scrapes with the law. No opportunities for a legitimate, honest way to make a couple of bucks to start himself on the path to success. So from square one, he sees the cop. It's an adversarial relationship. So instead of saying, how do we educate American kids to get them out of this economic hole, Gates and Zuckerberg and all these others and Silicon Valley insist on bringing in more foreign students to learn to be computer programmers, engineers, scientists, the STEM professionals, screwing over American kids living in poverty. So instead of solving the problem, we keep making it worse. The poverty gets deeper. The depression, socioeconomically as well as emotionally, gets worse. There have been studies done that say that kids living in poverty have the equivalent of losing, I think it's 13 IQ points. They're not dumb, but when the loudest thing you can hear in the morning is your stomach grumbling, and when there's no opportunities and so forth, you're too busy just trying to keep up with everything that you're not paying attention to reading or learning or or focusing on any of those things. You become that gerbil running on that little Ferris wheel in the cage, and there's no way out. How can the greatest country in the world not provide opportunities for its own children? It's outrageous. It's outrageous. But this is the situation that we are in because corporations don't give a crap about anything but the profit motive, period. I mean, understand what's happening. That's why... You know, in the old days, you used to buy a dishwasher. The damn thing would last for 20 years. Today, you buy a dishwasher, you're happy if you get five years out of it. Things are made more cheaply, more quickly. If they break down, that's great because now you've got to buy another one. Understand that that is what has happened to this country is it has lost its moral compass. I'm all for corporate profits. That's fine. I hope everybody that starts a business succeeds. That's wonderful for them, and it's wonderful for society. And if they're successful, they pay a little bit more taxes. That helps. But the people at the top of the economic food chain don't give a damn about America. They are globalists. They see America's borders as an impediment to their wealth, and I was told as much by people who were involved with the United States Chamber of Commerce. So you have cities meeting the demands of the Chamber of Commerce by harboring and shielding illegal aliens from detection by immigration authorities, and they create this fantasy. That's why when I was on with Bill Tucker at Newsmax a couple of days ago, I said, you know, these politicians are like the magician who cuts the woman in half. Now, we all know that he can't really cut her in half, because if he does that, well, she's certainly not going to be around to 
help him on his next show. And if you want to talk about a hostile work environment, goodness gracious. He also knows if he cuts her in half, he goes to jail. Okay. So he's not going to cut her in half, but he has to make it look as though he's cutting her in half. And the more realistic the illusion, the louder the crowd cheers. Politicians are like that guy who's cutting the woman in half. I want to secure that border. We're going to enforce those laws. I know what you, the voter, want. And, and so what do they do? They create the illusion that they're going to secure the border and enforce the laws because that's what everybody wants. But it's not what the U.S. Chamber of Commerce wants. It's not what the American Immigration Lawyers Association wants. And God only knows how many members of Congress on both sides of the aisle are members of AILA, the American Immigration Lawyers Association. You know, what you may not know is that comprehensive immigration reform, just about every version of it that thankfully did not pass. And 10 years ago, I wrote an op-ed for the Washington Times. I called that terrible legislation, the Terrorist Assistance and Facilitation Act. Then Senator Jeff Sessions liked it so much, he quoted me from the floor of the Senate on three separate occasions. But one of the provisions of comprehensive immigration reform was free legal assistance for the illegal aliens. And when I've asked people about it, why do you think they're doing it? A lot of people say to me, oh, Mr. Cutler, it's pretty obvious. They're pandering to the illegal. Folks, nobody, nobody, nobody is pandering to illegal aliens. They are powerless. You don't pander to people who can't give you what you want. The reason that illegal aliens would have gotten free legal help when lawful immigrants don't get that, who helps you do your tax return? Does Uncle Sam give you a check? And say, here, we'll give you a free accountant? Of course not. Why then would they have paid the lawyer's fees for those aliens? Because they are the lawyers. Their friends are the lawyers. They want to make sure they're not getting stiff. They want to make sure they get paid. How better than to have Uncle Sap pay the lawyers? That's what's going on. Everything you're hearing is an illusion. You can hear that saw going back and forth, zip, 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 right? Cutting that woman in half. We're going to secure that border. We're going to. And every time they promise to secure the border, things just get worse. And then to create the illusion that they're tough, the Republicans say, we're going to put those aliens on the back of the line. Back of the line for what, ice cream? Back on the line means you go back to your home country and you file an application for a visa at the U.S. Embassy or Consulate. That's back of the line. No, 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 no. Back of the line in the United States while they wait to get their green cards. We're going to make them wait for years, and we're not going to allow them to stay here unless they pay taxes and learn English. Really? And by the way, while they're waiting on the back of the line, they're not there all day. They're working. They're working. They're flooding the labor pool. They're sending money out of the economy, and they're displacing Americans and driving down wages. So while they're waiting online, they're keeping busy by working when that's why they came here in the first place. But, of course, you're being told this isn't an amnesty. No, no, no. They're not getting off scot-free. They have to pay a fine. They have to learn English. They have to wait on the back of the line while they're working and living here and sending money home. But they're on the back of the line. Lie after lie, con game after con game. How many people fall for that? I remember during one presidential debate, they had one of these focus groups on, on TV. I don't remember what channel it was. doesn't matter. And, and one of the Republicans got up and said, we're putting them on the back of the line. And everyone cheered. And then they asked the people in the audience. They said, wow, I'm thrilled he's going to put them on the back of the line, finally. 
And no one ever said back of the line for what? Ice cream, hamburgers, pizza? Back of the line. Sounds good. We're tough. And we're sure as hell not going to give them citizenship. Once they get a green card, <clears throat> pardon me, citizenship is five years away. Unless they marry an American, then it's three years away. Or they join the military, they get citizenship right away. And there are politicians trying to do that, the Enlist Act. Never mind that you're putting illegal aliens into the military. And illegal aliens, if they handle weapons or ammunition, are committing a 10-year felony. Never mind that we don't know who they are. And we've seen times in the past where gang members have joined the military. In fact, in the Middle East, there's gang graffiti all over the place. Because we had gang members join the military to learn how to handle weapons and carry out organized assaults. I've been involved in the investigations of, of gangs like that from Jamaica and Panama. Back in the 70s and 80s, they were robbing banks and killing people. And they learned their trade, so to speak, by enlisting under fake names in the Marine Corps. So understand what we're talking about. We're going to put them on the back of the line. We're going to make sure that everyone knows what's going on. And we're going to be tough because they're not going to get citizenship. They don't want them to have citizenship because they know they're going to vote for the Democrats. They're Republicans. So this serves two purposes. Let's try to keep them from voting and let's sound macho. Let's, uh, let's saw that woman in half a second time. We're tough. We're going to saw her in half a second time tonight, folks. We're going to put it together and saw her apart again. We're tough. Do you understand how this is being done and why it's being done? And then I wrote these two articles for Front Page. Two days ago, or four days ago, Front Page published my article, New York City Hub for the Deadly Drug Trade, and then the subtitle, Sanctuary Policies Attract Foreign Drug Traffickers, Fugitives, and Terrorists. So understand something. Sanctuary cities guarantee illegal aliens that once they get there, the cops are not going to do anything to help immigration find them. Now, I have a question for you, and I raise the question in my article. If you're a drug gang, a drug cartel, do you really want to have New York City as your hub? New York City has the most uh, impressive police department probably of any city, not just in the United States, but in the world. Over 36,000 police officers, highly trained, well-equipped, all sorts of resources, They even have their detectives operating all over the world, gathering intelligence because they weren't sure that the federal government was cooperating with New York properly. This is one hell of a police department. I had the privilege of working with the NYPD, which, by the way, is another lie. If immigration works with the cops, then the criminal, then the the victims of crimes won't come forward if they're here illegally. Never mind that we can give visas to aliens who are victims of crime so they can stay here. Never mind we can give green cards to aliens who give us actionable intelligence about serious criminal activities or terrorist activities. When I was part of the drug task force, I did that for 10 years, for nearly five years before that, four years before that. I was the first INS INS agent assigned to the Unified Intelligence Division of DEA. So I had desks at the FBI, DEA, ATF, and all the other agencies said to me that my ability as an immigration agent to provide those illegal aliens with the ability to remain in the country if they cooperated was the best incentive they'd ever seen, even better than money. So one of my key responsibilities was to cultivate informants. But meanwhile, what you're hearing from the mayors of sanctuary cities, sanctuary states, is if immigration works with the cops, 
the immigrants will hide from everybody. That's another lie. No, you go out there and you work within the community, and I can't tell you how many times the agents I worked with developed expertise with various ethnic immigrant groups, and we had informants everywhere. So if the FBI or the police were looking for a fugitive or needed some intelligence or whatever, they'd come to us. If we were concerned about the Jamaican community, I, I did some of that work. I did a lot with the Israelis. And this goes back to this nonsense. This isn't about Latinos. I spent years where I didn't even speak to a single Spanish-speaking alien. And I'm Jewish. I don't think I'm anti-Semitic. But I worked with the Israeli National Police. We uncovered a terror plot in Israel. We prevented it at the beginning of my career. I sent a guy home wanted for murder in Israel. He was convicted of killing a woman. So we worked very closely. So when the FBI came to me and said, we're working a case involving the Israeli mob, I was able to bring my expertise to bear along with some of my informants to bear to help with the investigation. The idea that having immigration work with local law enforcement destroys community policing is one of the biggest lies I've ever heard in my life. And I'm speaking not from a theoretical perspective, but from a real world perspective, because I was out there as an agent for 26 years doing this work, specifically that work, 26 years. You know, I, I didn't spend three days driving around and then writing a report and calling myself a journalist. I mean, how much nonsense have we seen like that? So, again, it's lie after lie. But here's the question. Let's go back to it. If you're running a drug cartel, why in the world would you set up shop in New York City and put yourself at loggerheads in direct opposition with the most sophisticated police department in the world? That's a crazy decision, except for one thing. New York is a sanctuary city. So that means that your people who are working here illegally, don't worry about it. The drug deal is out there. Yeah, I mean, you have to worry about the cops and DEA, but immigration is probably not going to be doing much because there's this disconnect. Does that make any sense to anybody? And those sanctuary city policies aren't new. They just keep expanding like crabgrass. I thought Ed Koch was a great mayor here in New York. But back during his administration, I had physically deported a guy from Panama, Ronaldo Rayside, lost his green card because of drug convictions, gets deported. I put him on the airplane physically, comes back, gets arrested twice by the New York City Police Department. They couldn't tell us that they had him. And reentry is a felony, okay? Running the border isn't a crime. Baloney. They came in. It was illegal. He committed a felony by being here illegally. In fact, I worked with Senator D'Amato to make this a 20-year maximum felony for criminal aliens. So he's back. We're not told. And the third time that he's caught by the cops, he goes for a 24-year-old officer's gun and a police officer by the name of Robert Machati dies on a street corner in Brooklyn. And his wife was pregnant with a daughter he'd never meet by accident. I met her 20 years later. That murder trial where I testified for nearly an entire day was one of my worst on-the-job experiences. Not my worst, but one of my worst experiences. They were worse. I lost friends in law enforcement because of criminals. But please understand what we're dealing with. So why is New York a hub? Because it's a sanctuary city. And the specific article that prompted my piece was about a Mexican couple who were using Dominican drug traffickers to move, meth, uh, to loo- move um, fentanyl all along the northeast of the, of the United States, Massachusetts, and Pennsylvania, New York, that whole region. And pursuant to the execution of, an, of a search warrant, 
DEA and police found in the apartment well over 200 pounds of assorted narcotics, and among the narcotics was 141 pounds of fentanyl. Now, I always knew that fentanyl was highly potent, but I didn't realize just how potent, because according to the article, the batch that they found, this 141-pound load, biggest ever grabbed, by the way, broke records, 50 times more potent and lethal than heroin. 50, five zero times more lethal. And that quantity of fentanyl, according to the Drug Enforcement Administration, could serve up a number of fatalities that blew my mind. If we worry about someone detonating a dirty bomb in New York, that's small potatoes compared to what the fentanyl could have done. Put on your seatbelts. According to DEA, 141 pounds of pure fentanyl translates, and I'm not getting this wrong, and I'm not mispronouncing it, and you're not hearing it wrong, 32 million lethal doses. Let me repeat it. 32 million lethal doses, nearly 10% of the entire U.S. population in New York City in a very nice neighborhood called Kew Gardens, Queens. Upscale, beautiful neighborhood. What in the world are we doing? And so after the terror attack was carried out on the bike path, they're putting up a wall, the couple whose son was killed, and I, you want to cry when you see the stories, are suing New York that there was no wall there before to protect the bike path. A wall on the bike path may protect the bike path. It doesn't protect all the sidewalks and all the intersections that we can go on forever. This is insanity. But don't you dare suggest we put up a a wall on the border because then the Democrats will go and and go crazy and shut the government down before you do that or before we, we say, hey, listen, DACA is temporary. Deferred action doesn't mean permanent action. We're putting off, and now the day of reckoning has come. You go to a hotel. They say to you, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, hope you enjoy your stay. That room is yours for two weeks. After two weeks, you know what happens. They slide a little bill under your door, and they tell you, checkout time is 12 noon. You don't say to the manager, wait a minute, I don't want to leave. No, you came here knowing that this is a dicey proposition for the, for the illegal alien, for the, the, the guests of the hotel. They know it's a temporary visit. They're not moving in permanently. So the Republicans are fighting with the Democrats. Half the Republicans don't have their heart in the battle. But the Democrats, my goodness gracious. You have individual politicians who I think are decent. But they are unfortunately all too and far between. This is illusionary. Then we get to the article that was just published this morning uh, by front page again, sanctuary cities and judicial madness. Judge blocks Trump's effort to end sanctuary cities the day after a border patrol agent is bludgeoned to death. You have border patrol agents on the border risking their lives, securing our country because the country security's first line and last line of defense are its borders. Think of it this way: the military's primary mission is to keep America's enemies as far from our shores as possible. But when they get up close and in person, the the task falls to DHS. That's why it's called the Department of Homeland Security. Although the way Bush put it together, I came to call it the Department of Homeland Surrender. So a 36-year-old Border Patrol agent who was a Latino American 
had his head apparently caved in, they believe, by rocks. They're still not sure what happened because his partner, grievously injured, has no recollection of the attack. His attack was so terrible. He's in critical condition, suffered also head, head injuries. Protecting a border that our politicians are desperate to erase. Desperate to erase. Talk about being put in harm's way for no bloody reason. Why not just fire the border patrol and say, hey, America has no borders? Because that is the goal of sanctuary cities. And if you look at Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1324, what's known as a smuggling statute within the Immigration Act, aiding, abetting, harboring, shielding from detection, encouraging and inducing aliens to enter illegally and remain thereafter illegally are felonies unless you're a mayor of a sanctuary city. And a judge comes along and says, well, the president can't cut off funds to those cities that refuse to help the federal government. Never mind that the 9-11 Commission equated border security with national security as a way of protecting America and Americans from terrorists. Never you mind about that. Never mind. Never mind that we're willing to strip search 85-year-old women sitting in wheelchairs trying to get on an airplane. Never mind that we strip search five-year-old little girls who run back to their grandma or grandpa for that last hug before they get on an airplane to go home. Oh, no, we're tough. That five-year-old girl, we know she's waiting for the opportunity to seize control of the airplane. But prevent criminals and drugs from entering America? Are you crazy? Really? We're not going to allow you to do that. How dare you keep drugs out of America? How dare you keep criminals and terrorists out of America? How dare you stand up for American workers who are losing their jobs and losing their homes and losing their standing in the middle class by design? How dare you? The funny thing is that's what Donald Trump is trying to do. Now, I don't always agree with President Trump. I'm an American. I don't even always agree with me. But these are his goals, and he's acting in concert with the goals that he's established along with Attorney General Jeff Sessions. And what are we doing? The politicians are at war with him from both parties because both parties are standing there with that saw in their hand looking for the woman in that wooden box so they can cut her in half. See, they've got to create the illusion, although the Democrats aren't even trying to create the illusion. They have flat out told American workers go to hell. They truly have. Chuck Schumer has said that if you trespass on on a, a critical structure in the United States, or a landmark, you should go to jail for five years. It's terrible. It's dangerous. On his website a couple of years ago, he even mentioned in concert with his proposal for a new five-year felony, federal law, for trespass, he even cited a 16-year-old boy who climbed the trade center while it was under construction, you know, the replacement complex, and, and talked about how these people need to go to jail for five years to deter them. Boy, Schumer is tough. He's got that saga. He's actually using a chainsaw. He's really macho. But according to Chuck, when you run America's borders, you've earned citizenship. Never mind that one of the elements of citizenship is good moral character. Don't worry about it. Details. Mere details. The hypocrisy and the level of betrayal are beyond belief. We're in one hell of a mess. We are in one hell of a mess, and in part, it's because of our fellow Americans who are too lazy and too foolish to do their homework 
and get their voices heard by their politicians. When we go to a restaurant, we're very specific about the food that we want to eat and the way that we want it prepared. And if we don't like how it comes out, we send it back to the kitchen, and if that doesn't work, we get up and we walk out. But Americans want a magic bullet. Right, fence on the border, we're okay, right? That's all they want to hear. Give me a magic word, and I can go back to my television. I can't be bothered. I write articles for front page. I write articles for the social contract. And every now and again, some genius American emails me and says, your articles are too long. I, I really hate reading more than the first paragraph of your articles. Can you somehow condense the information into one paragraph? We have people being killed on a daily basis by aliens who shouldn't be here. We have young American men and women overseas fighting for America's freedom and democracy and security in the military. We have men and women in our country, the first responders, putting their lives on the line to defend us. And these lazy-ass Americans can't read more than a paragraph because it confuses them. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. We all need to pull together. We need to have rational, logical, low-key conversations with our neighbors. This isn't a left-right issue. This isn't a right-wing extremist. This labeling stuff is toxic. Just like the notion of Latino voters is a disgusting form of profiling. Americans are Americans. We're being sliced and diced so people are afraid to even talk to each other. And really, that goes along with the idea of safe spaces on campuses. Don't let anybody hear that there's a different way of seeing things than the party jingle. And what's the party jingle? Open borders. We have to fight the xenophobes. Never mind people are dying. Collateral damage. Collateral damage. We're smarter than that. We really are smarter than that. Too often I've heard people say to me, well, if we don't arrest the criminals who are terrorists and, and so forth, the aliens rather who are terrorists, there are Americans who are extremists. So my argument there is okay. So people don't only die from heart attacks, they die from cancer. So should we not treat either disease since either one is likely to get you? Or do we simply say, let's use whatever tools we have at our disposal to keep ourselves safe? Al Capone was a notorious gangster. He was involved with extortion, involved with bootlegging, involved with prostitution, involved with murder. He went to jail ultimately for tax evasion. You get your hands on the bad guys by whatever means necessary, by whatever means are available. And what you probably don't know is that the second largest contingent of law enforcement officers assigned to the Joint Terrorism Task Force are immigration agents because foreign nationals who come to America to carry out terrorist attacks invariably violate immigration laws. Common sense would say immigration is not a minor issue. Common sense. Anyway, this is the Thanksgiving weekend. With all going on, we still have much to be thankful for. I hope you all have, within your own personal lives, much to be thankful for. I want to thank you for spending this past hour with me. I hope my program helps you to see things from maybe a slightly different perspective. I hope it fires up your imagination and causes you to ask questions. And as Americans, asking questions are critical. The French philosopher Voltaire said very wisely that you judge a person's intelligence by the questions that they ask. Don't take what politicians tell you or what anyone tells you face value. If I've raised questions in your mind, do the research, do your homework. If you want, you can contact me through michaelcutler.net. 
please read my articles at frontpagemag.com and The Social Contract. And I look forward to seeing you again next week, same time, right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. But meanwhile, folks, please remember, democracy is not a spectator sport. Have a great weekend, everybody.